1: Hello, Serie A fan. Is it better to be a lion in the league and a kitten in the cup? Or would you rather sacrifice the Scudetto for some European glory? We tackle these big questions with the help of a very special guest. But don't worry, there's still plenty of time to discuss the important things as well. Sarri's eagle, punching a ref in the face, and a €10,000 crotch grab in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scudetto Another extremely busy week of um, watching football for us Uh, Obviously big weekend in the league, a full round of European games as well Um, Before we get into all of that I've got some good news and some bad news for our listeners Uh, So let's do the bad news first, Kenny's away this week, Uh, don't worry he will be back next week But that means the good news is we've got a very special guest to replace him um, described herself as Scudetto Pod superfan. It's the host of Milan podcast Milan Obsession, which you can find on any good audio platform. Uh, Elaine, welcome to Scudetto.
2: Thank you. It's an honor to be here and I am the Scudetto Pod superfan so this is uh, just like the ultimate for me.
1: <laughs> well, it's great to have you on.
3: The question is, will you still be a super fan after you go through this
1: process? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: guess we'll answer that at the end
1: yeah we can come back to that one later um elaine's also tweeting from at milan obsession about all things milan so you can find her there and you as you've just heard we've got Boaz as usual Boaz, how are you
3: i'm doing very well thank you
1: how are you Oscar? i am very well thank you um i've just confessed to both of you i haven't got a beer for the civilized beers section this week i've just come from drinking a nice uh Nice beer in an English pub in Helsinki. It was called a HEPA. It was described as like a South, Southern Hemisphere pale ale. It was pretty tasty, actually.
3: And could you taste the Southern Hemisphere in
1: there? I'm not sure really what Southern Hemisphere means in the context of beer. I was just thinking the other day, if anyone ever listens to our beer reviews, to our podcast for the beer reviews, like we know nothing about beer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, we drink a lot of variety of beers. True, true. That is true. What are you drinking today on that note?
3: I have a Alicock Belgian IPA, and that's all I have to say about it. Very standard IPA.
1: <laughs> it's good. And it's I my would ask terrible you alone, But you confess that you don't have a beer this time either.
2: Yeah, I'm a late, last minute sub, so sorry.
1: You're on a different time zone as well. So maybe it's not really appropriate beer drinking time. You, so we're <laughs>
2: it isn't five o'clock yet, no.
1: Again, we'll see what happens at the
3: end of this process. <laughs> maybe once the podcast is finished, we'll start day drinking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good stuff. All right, well, let's get into the action then. Um, and I guess we have to start with the Rome Derby. I have to say last Sunday was quite a depressing day for me. I was in a pub watching the North London Derby and the Rome Derby kind of simultaneously being shown and um, obviously not good results for someone with my sympathies in either game.
3: It's nice that the producers um, prearranged these games to be at the same time for you. But.
1: Yeah, that was helpful, actually. In another context, I would have been very grateful. Uh, but we should talk about how Lazio have really come on under Sarri. Like you, you were saying, bars that they're kind of breaking very well and I think that's you know you've got to credit the front three for for that and the kind of interplay between them um, but they're also looking pretty solid and difficult to break down aren't they?
3: Definitely and um, Latia had been struggling for the past few games and obviously it, it will take and it has taken some time to assimilate Sarri's methods but uh, in this game it looked like they'd planned their strategy to perfection as an, a side note, I wanted to say that the the Rome Derby is usually quite a drab affair, qu- quite cagey, whereas th- this game, obviously, finishing 3-2 was a completely different proposition. But I think Lazio were worthy winners and could have gone on to win 4-2 or 5-2 even if uh, certain occasions were taken.
2: But it, for yeah. a neutral, it was great. I mean, I'm sorry, Oscar, but for a neutral, it was a <laughs> great game to watch. Very exciting.
1: Both on yeah. the pitch and off the pitch. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think that's a definitely a fair comment. It was, yeah, as you're saying, a big occasion and lovely to see Stadio Olimpico close to full capacity again. And um, yeah, like you say, but it's often a very kind of cagey affair. It did start off looking quite dull, but the match obviously heated up and it really did look like Roma were going to get back into it, unlike uh, the other game that I was watching. So, yeah, definitely agree with those comments.
3: Mourinho was particularly hard done by, felt particularly hard done by, by the result, although I think his, um, his laments were slightly, um, uh, short-sighted. I'd also want to point out that, um, despite all the fanfare that has been made of, uh, Mourinho's season thus far, if you look at the bare results, uh, Fonseca had the exact same point hole at this stage of the season last season. So, um, I mean, it's a work in process, but, uh, suddenly, Mourinho is finding himself in a slightly tougher situation, and he's also the first manager to lose uh, his first derby since losing Ake in 2011. So, not the best omen.
1: Yeah, it could be the beginning of what we all know often happens with Mourinho teams, couldn't it? And that you were saying, Buzz, that he's already kind of picked out a couple of players who uh, are maybe going to get the Luke Shaw treatment. The not the favourites, shall we say?
3: Yeah at the time of recording uh Roma played Zoria uh, Zorya in the Ukraine and they won convincingly but it looks like uh Mourinho has already picked the players that he will uh, dislike and throw to the Lions this season and that's Brian Reynolds at right back Djora and Gonzalo Villa in the in midfield Villa who got quite a lot of game time last year and was very impressive and it looks like the latter two are going to be sold in January again while uh, Mourinho came in with this uh, feel-good factor initially, it now feels like uh, it's more of the same,
1: slowly. Yeah, maybe Reynolds can get on the phone to Luke Shaw and get some support. <laughs> Emotional <laughs> support. <laughs> but yeah, while we're on the topic of uh, the manager reaction, Elaine, there's, there are a few better sights in football than uh, Sarri with the eagle at the end. That was glorious, wasn't it?
2: That was amazing. I mean eagles are big heavy birds too and I know that he talked about like how he didn't realize the adrenaline that the robe derby would give him and it was like I don't know how old is he he's like a million years old and just seeing him there at the eagle like in front of the curve, it was like so serious. I loved it
1: yeah the eagle on one arm and the cigarette in the other hand <laughs>
2: yeah exactly <laughs>
1: the iconic <laughs> vision of Saren he just needs to teach the eagle to roll
3: him a roll up <laughs>
1: <laughs> indeed um okay let's uh move on show you uh, and talk a little bit about inter um i'm sure you'll both be pleased with the fact that inter have stumbled a little bit this week but maybe starting off with that game against atalanta which once again very exciting for the neutral we haven't got kenny here to break it down for us from an atalanta point of view but um some lovely goals in that game weren't there, bars
3: yeah, and uh, Inter were perhaps fortunate to come away with a point despite playing at home, because Atalanta seemed to suddenly turn it on, and uh, also had a, a goal disallowed by VAR because the ball had crossed the the line before it for a throw, for a corner before the ball before it was scored. So um, one of those games where, in different circumstances, Atalanta might have won, but uh, I guess Inter. Once they went uh, two-one up, not playing so well, you expected them to get the job done, and yet they—they, uh, they, as I said, they—they they dropped points and could have even gone on to lose it. Atlanta were very impressive though. Uh, back to the their uh, glorious best, really uh, outrunning Inter all over the pitch, and uh, some great performances from the individuals.
1: Yeah, and they actually, they scored a goal, which was later ruled out for VAR, didn't they, to win the game at the end? Yeah, so
3: that, I, that was what I was kind of alluding to, but, uh, essentially, um, Andanovic in goal kind of received a back pass and let it slide through and made a real cock up of the situation. And essentially, uh, the ball, Atalanta managed to score from the situation, but incredulously for everyone that VAR took it all the way back. In the end, it's the right decision, but it's one of those ones that, I don't think I've ever seen before,
1: yeah. The ball had like gone out of play quite quite a long time previously. I think
3: Sorry, We should also say that Inter missed a penalty in this game with uh, bizarrely, uh, left back Di Marco stepped up, supposedly, he's the best uh, penalty taker for Inter, and uh, he hit the bar. Yeah,
2: there's a lot, there are a lot of great goals. Malinowski was a beast in that game, too. That like Atalanta really took it to them, and uh, it. it it bodes well for City. I think that it was a very competitive match because we talk about, like, who's going to finish top of the table and stuff like that. And Atalanta have been a little bit slow to get started. And so it's it's nice to see things balancing out a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're right to highlight that as a kind of early potential title race clash. And I guess we've got another one coming up this weekend, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, But first, let's... um, Let's just laugh about Inter's kind of stumble against Shakhtar. Um, but as you summarized this the highlights of this game as being uh, very few, <laughs> it was um, just a night to forget for Inter, really, wasn't it?
3: Um, Shakhtar are slowly becoming Inter's uh, bogey team. they uh, This is the third time in three in free games that they draw nil nil the last time inter got this same result against the, the one club was back in 1994 three times in a row so that, that's it's kind of an odd one particularly because on paper at least uh inter should be the superior team despite the their summer losses having said that we should give some credit to Shakhtar, who incidentally are managed by the zerbi so they kind of fit into our um, remit but Despite not really having a striker because of, uh, because of injuries and whatnot, uh, Shakhtar really went out and attacked and played the, the quote unquote the right way. And Inter, you know, I think Inter are uh, a lion in uh, the, in the Serie A and the kitten in, in, in the Champions League. This is, uh, they've only got five wins in their last 20 games in the Champions League. They seem to come and stuck and they haven't scored a goal yet this season with, uh, Zico Zeko in particular missing Few sitters that in uh, any other season might have been c- uh, candidates for the Murata challenge. So Inter have themselves to blame, but this group is far from uh, over for them. And I think uh, with the Sheriffs in the other games scoring uh, miraculously beating Real Madrid, it makes things interesting. But if I were a betting man, I'd have the Inter qualifying from this group
1: still. Yeah. I like how you're sort of preemptively claiming Shakhtar as an honor. Italian team so we can just continue <laughs> to continue to cover them when they knock Inter out what do you make of uh, Inter's chances getting out of this group alone well Where's I feel your like money?
2: there's you know they say death death, taxes and certain things and Juventus never win the Champions League and apparently Inter have gone into the the phase it's what three years running that they've not qualified out of the group stage so I I, I like their chances of not qualifying personally
1: yeah Probably make a, a reasonable run at the Europa League if they don't.
3: Considering Nzari set out um, qualifying from the group as his main target for the season, it would be quite calamitous if he would follow in Antonio Conte's footsteps and, and get knocked out again.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially if he can't deliver what um, Conte was in the league either. Um, so, in contrast to Inter, it looks like. Juventus potentially job done after just two games they're sitting at the top of their group I believe
2: this game was like a, a perfect Allegri game 1-0 just by the skin of their teeth defended completely I think they had like 27% possession or something Is like super low um, 26% percent, uh, possession with one goal from Chiesa and each, each team both Chelsea and Juve only had one shot on goal Um, but Chelsea took 16 shots so yeah I I don't know if you call it that they're done but that is that it's a purely Allegri win for sure
1: yeah and uh, they've obviously been performing a lot better in that competition than they have been in the league Um, Kenny's put a question in for us actually to to discuss uh, on this game saying is Chiesa the answer for Italy long term to play at number nine after Legri's comments that perhaps he sees him as a a number nine or a wide forward.
3: So anyone who's been to Italy knows that uh, first you build a church and then you build a village around it. And uh, (laughs) in this case, um, I think this is my obligatory football manager reference. But when I buy Kesa for my Milan side, I always play him up front. And I think in the long run, that that's his um, ideal position. He is really we've mentioned it time and time again, but he is really a, a big game player. He shows up when it's important. He gets the important goals. And his attitude is so right. So uh so uh Stila Juve, let's be honest. He's he's a winner and that's what they need right there right there. And they could probably do with a, a few more players like him. Just touching on Allegri that Elaine mentioned earlier. I mean, yes, they had twenty-seven percent possession, but this was a slight tactical masterclass considering he was playing against um the European champions and he was missing both Morata and Dibala for injury reasons. He had to switch it around a couple of times within the game. And, uh, initially, uh, they were really being outrun and, uh, pressed by Chelsea. But by, by the time, uh, he narrowed the game down and had both Bernardeschi and Chelsea and Chiesa play very wide, I think, uh, Chelsea didn't really know what to make of it. And also Lukaku was pretty much neutralized by Bonucci who had him in his pocket for the whole game
1: yeah uh, I imagine they will um, not continue that form into this weekend when <laughs> <and> they face <laughs>
3: they're the reverse inter they are uh, a kitten in the league and a, and a lion in the Champions League
2: well they're mid-table they're 10th place in the league now so they've they've moved up in the world like a week ago they were in the relegation zone so two weeks ago so they're moving up
1: moving in the right direction yeah Um so that's actually tomorrow's game. Uh, the Friday night kickoff is Torino versus Juventus. So maybe we tune into that, see if they can um, yeah, recapture some of that lion-like form.
3: And that's going to be exciting because uh, Juric famously has his teams running their lungs out. And uh, so far this season, Juventus have had trouble coping with teams who play in that style.
2: Yeah, that's going to be a good matchup. The derby Delamale is always good anyway, but um yeah definitely want to watch
1: that one right we've uh, put it off for long enough we've talked about all the other big narrative and action points of the week i'm afraid elaine we're gonna to have to get you to relive the robbery or as you described it homicide that we <laughs> <laughs> witnessed do you want to just kind of talk us through it at, at how you were feeling when you were watching the game
2: well, it, you know, it started out like it was our first game back in seven years at the San Siro. We're playing Atletico Madrid, which we'd played. You know, they were our last opponent in the Champions League, and every you know the choreo was beautiful, and everyone was singing. Pioli is on fire, and and then our like they played totally different than we started off with Liverpool, and it was so exciting. And Leal's goal, it was just like the perfect start to the match, and then we had a referee <laughs> who I normally don't say <laughs> things like this, but you know, you're, uh, you're
1: not allowed to give a dishonorable mention to a referee on this podcast. That's okay. He's done I know, it once before, but he would cast stern talking to. So
2: I do know the rules, but um, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Junaid Chakur from Turkey, he he just, you know, he changed the match. He he gave Kessie two yellow cards early on. And so Kessie was sent off in the 29th. And everyone, even Simeone, you know, knows that that changed the game. Everyone saw it. We were dominating completely and um, Atletico were completely lost until that happened and even through the rest of the first half i mean leo had that amazing bicycle overhead bicycle kick that he hit the crossbar had that gone in the game would have been totally different and that was even after kessie was sent off but the discrepancies in refereeing just kept continuing and and so like the the fouls that kessie was sent off where there were bigger fouls from atletico that weren't even called including like in the 70th. i know um Luis Suarez came bungling in to and stomped on his foot. And he knew it too. You saw the way he like tried to get him to get up right away and stuff like that. But no call. Um, meanwhile, like, cause he just barely stamps on somebody's foot from behind, like, you know, not probably not intentional, who knows. But, you know, it just was really inconsistent. And then we get down to the 97th minute of six minutes of stoppage time. And they're given a well it was the 94th minute actually that they're they were given a penalty um for a handball in the box and Atletico's Lamar actually handled it first, which like a blind person could see. Um, and VAR clearly showed, and yet there was no intervention. Chinat uh, did, did not go to the screen to review it at all. Um, VAR did not intervene in any way, and they gave the penalty, which gave them the, the win. We had conceded in the 84th, I think. So, yeah, it to- totally changed the game, and everyone knew it. And, again, like I, I normally respect the referees, and I'm very objective about these things, but in this situation, it was just so one-sided and, and and really unfortunate. I mean, if you go back and you watch, I watched it like three times because I just wanted to be sure that like what I saw was what I saw. And it was really, really unfortunate the way that he influenced the game. And, and he's looking at a, a suspension slash possible ending of his reffing career. Um, I know Milan are going to form you know appeal officially but that doesn't change the results it doesn't change the fact that Milan are at the bottom of our group with zero points when we deserved a lot more
1: yeah it's really really disappointing and um I think for people that maybe didn't watch the game and have just seen on social media like you know replays of the fouls you can you, you probably wouldn't have any strong objection as a neutral it's like yeah they're harsh but they probably are fouls but like you were saying and like you highlighted in your blog post it's just the Kind of inconsistency of it, which is just really like jarring.
2: Yeah, the other fouls were just so blatant and clear. And it, I mean, there was one where um Hermoso like did almost the exact same foul on Sailmakers as um, Kessie got one of his cards for it by grabbing him by the shoulder. And he actually landed on top of him and it was in <laughs> the, their box and, and still no call. And so it was just crazy. Like, if you go back and watch the whole thing, it, it was. It was not good. So that was really harsh as a Milan fan to deal with. And and you saw those our young players. You know, this is a learning experience for them and a, and a very painful way to learn um, on the highest stage. And um, so, yeah. But on the flip side, we did have a good experience at Spezia where in February we had lost to them 2-0. And um, so we beat that demon with two goals, maldini Daniel Maldini got his first start in his first goal. He is a third-generation Maldini, and um, Kalulu sent in a great cross from uh, Alejo, uh started that play. and um, And then Brahim Diaz scored as well, and that one was hilarious because he started to take his shirt off in Calabria pulled it back down <laughs> so he wouldn't get a yellow car. So um, that was that was nice. It was a scrappy game. Spezia were, you know, hats off to them. They played really well. But that was a nice start to the week. But midweek, not so much.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that should probably be a, an early honourable mention for Daniel Maldini. I, can't I was just going to say. You haven't got that on your list, actually, Bars.
3: I just I, I was just adding it to the list. But Definitely an <laughs> uh, honourable honorable, uh, mention for being third generation goal scorer for Milan on this first ever uh, start. And just picking up from uh, a few things that Elaine mentioned just there, I think that uh, if you were to just look at the table, you'd think, wow, this is a terrible campaign, but actually Milan came out of both games with uh, a lot of pride and showing a lot of great football. And if a few um, instances or let's say a little bit with a little bit more luck, uh, they could have been sitting with four or even six points at this stage. So it's not all lost, and uh, hopefully th- this is uh, an, it's a quick education for the young team. And a side note is that, yes, Cassie got sent off, and it's unfortunate, but uh, in general, it feels like he's a slight problem right now. His head is not right. It could be that this whole uh, saga in- involving his contract is affecting him, or I wouldn't want to speculate, but in in any case... It feels like he's a little bit of a liability right now, and perhaps it's worth him sitting out for a little bit and letting Benazel Antonali run the show.
1: Yeah, well, perhaps you won't miss him too much uh, on Sunday then, because we've got our first Scudetto derby of the season as uh, Milan go to Bergamo to face Atalanta.
3: Atalanta, of course, took this uh, very strange Scudetto derby uh, trophy last season, and we we both resent Kenny for it.
1: Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about your chances this time around?
2: Well, uh, Atalanta are missing Gozens now that he got injured midweek. So it's it's interesting that they've had, like I said, a slow start in the league. And we will have Kessie on Sunday. He's, he'll be suspended for a Champions League match, but uh, not for that. But we do have injuries. We have care coming back. We have uh, but now Florenzi's needs surgery. Our, our injuries just keep piling up. So it, it's always hard to know. Florenzi um, so
3: being I, out could be a blessing, but that's just me being a little
2: He, bit he has naughty. the ideas of a champion and the uh, finishing skills of Borini, so it, it is very frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. It, it really depends on the mentality after, you know, you saw all the players just so shocked and hurt by the calls that happened and, and the, you know, everything midweek, and so does Pioli get in their heads and get them to bounce back? Or do they, you know, they give up and and resign? And obviously, Atalanta have done some serious damage to us in recent seasons. And so it's, I honestly, it's a difficult game for me to call.
1: Yeah, Um, I think if Kenny were here, he might perhaps predict Milan. Uh, I mean, he was, um, I think he he correctly called that Atalanta may well lose to Fiorentina. I know their form's picked up a little bit since then, obviously, beating young boys of Bern in the Champions League. But what do you think, Buzz?
3: Young yeah, boys! I'm, uh, I am think, <laughs> as Elaine said, it's so always a tough encounter. And um, Atalanta seem to have started to get their gears in motion. However, I'm fairly confident, again, as I've said in the past few weeks, because Milan are playing some great football. And even though the, the results haven't always come our way, particularly at versus Juventus and also in the two Champions League games. There is a lot of depth, and I think uh, ultimately, especially because Atlanta are also missing a few players, our, uh, our superior uh, depth of squad should just uh, pick them. Having said that, a draw would also be fine because we're really on a great run so far.
2: Yeah, we're undefeated in the league, and this is the only the third time that we've gotten 16 points in our first three matches. The other times were two thousand three and four and uh, two thousand last year, last season. So we we are doing well in the league, but like I said, midweek it's it's hard to know with our young team how they bounce back from that.
1: Yeah, I think I'd uh, kind of hope for a draw, both for just the competitiveness of the league and the kind <laughs> of uh, peace on this podcast. Um, but I think I think Milan are going to take it. So let's see. Maybe I've cursed you guys. We should also, I guess, talk a little bit about the Nations League um, because the semi-finals coming up next week before we record. Uh, Italy versus Spain at the San Siro. Stadium's going to be at 50% capacity. No Zanjolo and no Moise Kane. Does it sound a bit bitter, but as if I ask as an Englishman, does anyone really care about the Nations League? <laughs>
3: First of all, it's funny you mentioned it today because apparently Italy beat uh, England
1: at cricket today as well,
3: just to continue a summer. And wait,
1: wait, wait, wait! An Italian team beat an English team. Apparently, it was not the English first team.
3: Okay, I don't, I don't know anything about cricket, but it just it's so on theme for this uh, summer of domination, and including uh, the 100 meters and the, and a few other things, but. Um, having said that i I think this uh, it's one of those classic trophies that if you're in it you you're all in and if you're not in it, you care less about it. It's been a good competition overall because it's allowed smaller nations to kind of uh, play against teams in their own bracket but of course, if Italy were to go on to win it, it would be a nice uh additional favor to their hat and uh also uh the game against Spain is another chance to extend this uh unreal um Non-loss streak, so there's a lot of narrative there, and let's not forget that these two teams played each other in the Euro not so long ago. So I, I think Italy Spain will always be a great fixture, regardless of the the setting and the fact that it's a quote unquote uh, semifinal just adds a little bit of spice.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. care about I don't care about the Nations League at all. Like I, like we do not need more competitions. But Spain Italy is always a great matchup, and I, I would totally watch just for that.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd take that point. I guess it's um, at least maybe got slightly more edge than just a friendly. So just be interesting to see how these teams are shaping up sort of a few months on from the Euros.
3: Just a quick note that uh, Ciro Mobile limped off today on Thursday in the game against uh, Lokomotiv. And he's a doubt for the weekend game, but also he'll be a doubt for the game against Spain. Given his uh, recent form against Italy, maybe that's a blessing. I don't know. (laughs) It's a recent form for Italy,
1: sorry. And now quickly a roundup of what's going on elsewhere. Um, That game that we hypothesized about a couple of weeks ago, the Italy versus Argentina continental champions game has been confirmed. As far as we know, it's not going to be played at the uh, Diego Armando Maradona stadium, but we think it should be. Yes. And speaking of the uh, Diego Armando Maradona Stadium, there were five goals, two red cards, 13 yellow cards, including both managers, a disallowed goal, a half hearted brawl um, in Napoli's loss against Spartak Moscow. Um, first defeat of the season for Spalletti's men, and 19 minutes of added time. Um, so there's just so much going on, even a game of all that. We don't have time also, to really talk about it. And also,
3: a goal after 13 seconds, which is the quickest goal ever for.
1: Italian team in the Europa League. And on another quick point on Inter, uh, we mocked Juventus for posting the all-time Serie A record losses a few weeks back, and uh, Inter have broken that record, so well done to them.
2: 245 oh. million euros.
1: They saw Juventus and they are like, hold my beer. I wonder how much of that was spent on rubbish marketing. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, it's time for good week, bad week, and we're got definitely a few nominations for bad week what about good week uh elaine you want to make the case for lazio
2: yeah i don't usually make any cases for lazio in in the good way but they did have a good week they um they won the derby obviously and then they also won versus locomotive today um i believe we were recording during that game so yeah good week for them
1: yeah I think they're a clear front-runner. as you wanted to make the case for Juve as well, but obviously given the big losses that we've just talked about, I mean, I know they weren't announced this week, but um, what was yeah. the Juventus case? Off the field, it
3: wasn't the best week, but on the field, they finally came back to winning ways. They beat Chelsea, who, as we mentioned, are the European champions, and they also uh, got a result in the league, despite sweating it out a little bit. But I would probably say that on the balance of things, that uh, Lazio are, are better Shout
1: for this. Yeah, let's give it to the Eagle, shall we? Good week for Lazio. Um, and then on the other side, we've probably maybe got a few more nominations, but let's uh, keep it brief. Obviously, Roma for losing the derby. Potentially, any other nominations? Bologna, Milan, Elaine, sorry.
2: Yeah, Bologna, you know, uh, they lost 4 2 to Empoli, and now there's talks of Mihailovic being sacked. They're not re- renewing the director Sabatini they are not renewing his contract so things are kind of falling apart there so i'd give them a bad week for sure
1: yeah i think that's i think we should give it to uh, bologna especially given that the englishman that scored for roma uh, i think that makes more sense so bad week for bologna um now kenny's not here to do his upcoming fixtures section uh, we've already mentioned obviously milan atalanta and the torino derby is incoming um, Fiorentina-Napoli is probably the other pick of the weekend, isn't it, Baz?
3: Yeah, that's going to be a real spectacular game and also um, going to be a test of Napoli's resolve, particularly having lost uh, this evening in Europe. Uh, Fiorentina are probably... Well, Napoli be, did beat Juventus, so there there is that to say, but Fiorentina are the next uh, uh, quote-unquote good team that Napoli will face and I think Italiano's men will... Uh, Test Napoli in a way that they probably haven't been tested yet so far.
2: But do you think that uh, Vincenzo Italiano and his his bench will make fun of them, the, Napoli, the whole <laughs> second half?
3: <laughs> yeah, this is a, a reference to the fact that uh, Spalletti got his yellow card because apparently a player on the Spartak on the and a player on the Spartak Moscow bench was be, was being was having a laugh at his expense throughout the whole match. It's, it's, again, I I say this almost every week, but is a very strange person and I, I, he did spend a lot of time in Russia so maybe he had there's some background and maybe he understands what this guy is saying to him but it, it just seems like a really weird thing to get annoyed about like who cares what some guy on the bench is saying
1: yeah it's like when Conte was getting harassed by the UVA directors
3: yeah but at least that had fireworks this is political fighting against some unknown
2: <laughs> he didn't even know, like, I, it looked like he didn't even know who the coach was. There, there was that video circulating, it was amazing.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, Baz, you've been keeping up with Italians elsewhere across Europe, so do you want to give us the keeping up with the Italian section?
3: So first of all, our uh, regular stop in Turkey, um, where we have Stefan Kaka, who scored his uh, first hat-trick for Istanbul by against Kairouk Rizmoor. As I said in the past, He's a really useful striker, and it's kind of sad not to see him in Serie A right now, but it's great to see him banging him in. And, uh, meanwhile, also, Mario Balotelli has scored his third goal in three games for, uh, uh, the Montella managed Adana Demispor. Elsewhere, Adelaide Olympic Football Qual- Club qualified for the 16th round of 16 of the FFAA Cup, which I guess is the Australian FA Cup. But, uh, the, the pick of this game was, uh, Italian player Fausto Elba. Uh, I mean, it does look a little bit like a pub league. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he kind of dances around the area for a while, and then decides that he can't be bothered anymore and just dinks it over the keeper. You should check it out. It's, I mean, there's a defender in there. Sorry again to all our Australian listeners, but there's a defender in there who's literally seems like he's had a few pints before the game. Like he shouldn't be on a football pitch, let alone like in the FA Cup. Anyway, it was a superb goal. Just the setting is not really uh, fitting of the goal. Our elsewhere
1: to Tifosi down under.
3: <laughs> amongst uh, others. Um, elsewhere, um, I mentioned him last week, but uh, Italy under-19 striker Sharon Doerr, who plays for uh, Sporting Lisbon, scored against uh, Barcelona, the under-19 side, and they, as they won 4-0. I'm kind of I'm highlighting this to show that uh, the Barcelona disaster extends to far beyond the first team and that their once-famed... Uh, uh, um Masaya is not really producing the, the goods right now, but that's maybe from my Spanish-language podcast, which I'm recording later. Elsewhere, Gigi Donnarumma had made his uh, Champions League debut, age 22, and uh, kept a clean sheet against Manchester City. He did spill a ball in, at some point in the game, but uh, he also made some crucial saves. So good on Gigi. And also, that's a few more millions in his bank account. Vincenzo Grifo of Freiburg scored in their 3-0-1 against Augsburg. And in Austria, Kevin Yeboa, the Italy under-21 striker, scored an open goal um, for Sturm Graz against Rapid Vienna, and he's still the top goal scorer over there. And lastly, a big big up to Stefano Cousin, who uh, is just being announced as the manager of the of South Sudan. So that's quite a fascinating adventure for him.
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Baz. Uh, so let's just move swiftly into the honourables and dishonourables section. Um, I'm going to start off with... Yet another dishonorable for... I guess it's not really a dishonorable for Inter, actually. It's a a dishonorable for UEFA. We've given them a few as well. Um, But for banning Inter's snake shirt under Article 8, which is the equipment regulation, which says that the patterns can be unlimited but cannot contain images, illustrations, or other symbols. Seems a bit petty. Uh, None of us are big fans of Inter, but I think we all quite like that shirt um so especially
3: given what a disaster some of their other shirts are this one was particularly nice and uh obviously UEFA had to spoil it
2: it's perfect for them but they also had to take off some of their advertising too which is weird
3: it's nice to see that UEFA are focusing on the the big picture and the, yeah, the financial big... regularities uh players being bought by just one club in one country that we will mention oil states etc but this shirt is the big deal
1: it is I
2: mean, that that and they're tackling
1: racism too, right? Yeah, UEFA obviously their priorities are beyond question. So let's just move swiftly on from that. But as you wanted to give a, an honourable to to is this the same class Jan Huntelaar?
3: Class <laughs> Jan uh, Huntelaar, former AC Milan striker, just currently signed for sixth division Dutch side HC 3 which is kind of his local side that they needed a few extra players, and so out of retirement comes this. 38 year old bomber you might remember the last season uh, with Schalke in severe trouble he also uh, made like a transfer to them to try and save them
1: so he seems to be the kind of guy he's he's a footballer who thinks he's a fireman or something and alone if UEFA has probably got the most dishonorables ever um, this man is probably a close second what's Agnelli been up to this week
2: So Juventus announced their 200 million euro losses. And instead of focusing on that, he talked about the Super League and he said that they were um, focusing on strong commitments to solidarity and mutuality, which was ironic, given that he stabbed his best friend at the back to to do the Super League project. So I I think that's a definite uh, dishonorable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Truly um, outstanding, but expected. But as we've got a much happier one next, uh, scoring a goal with a water bottle in your hand. I'm I'm always happy to
3: mention Mattia Desto because at one point, a few, many moons ago, he he looked like he was going to be uh, Italy's future superstar striker, and he seems like generally quite a nice guy. Uh, it didn't really work out for him at uh, Milan, Roma, etc. But at um, Genoa, he's finding like the, the ideal environment and. He scored a wonder goal, but, uh, but perhaps what was really special about this goal was that he did it all with a water bottle in his hand because uh, he stopped for, some, for a drink and obviously had to suddenly run into play. I'm not sure how, if that's legal or not to have like a foreign object in your hand while you're playing, but in any case, uh, good on him. It was, uh, it was
1: one for the ages.
2: He's teaching kids to stay hydrated. It was very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good point. I mean, I'm not sure what the, about the rule actually. If it interferes with play, I know it's supposed to be a drop ball.
3: He could accidentally hit someone in the face with it. I mean, there there are you could spray someone water in their eyes and run off. You know, there's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> it does get pretty chippy in the box. You know,
3: could be
1: crazy.
2: Water in your eyes is tough.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not decided fully on whether this is an honourable or a dishonourable, but it's for Zaniolo and his gesture or. Dick grab, as we've been calling it, um, towards the Lazio fans at the end of the derby. Um, I understand he'd been uh, has some history of Lazio fans aiming insults towards his mother and that sort of thing. Um, but Elaine reliably informs me he was fined ten thousand euros for it. So for a ten thousand euro dick grab, I think it's probably got to be a dishonourable.
2: That's that's a very expensive dick grab for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: worth it, I'd say. In Kenny's absence, do you want to give Pessina his uh, honourable?
2: Yeah, Pessina was the first Italian to score for Atalanta in the Champions League ever, so good on him and uh, nice to see young talent
1: coming through. And uh, Baz, you've got one for Tomori. Yes, after
3: a two-year absence, uh, Tomori was picked for the England squad again, and I think uh, it's testament to how well he's been playing for Milan and how much he's grown in the last... uh, almost a season since he arrived in Italy. It's testament to Southgate that he's willing to look outside of the the Premier League, particularly as uh, maybe England aren't so uh, stacked in, at centre-back despite
1: having so many right-backs. Yeah, I mean, he's happy so, to look outside now that we're beaten by them. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure why this is me, uh, given the two Milan fans on the podcast, but um, I wanted to give that. Just because I love, I'm the main fan of Anti Rebic on this podcast, um, and I just wanted to give him an honourable for the lineup video that was tweeted out by the uh, Milan account. Everybody just giving fairly kind of standard waves to the camera. Maybe uh, Rebic gives the kind of uh, come hither gesture. Just very funny. Um, so honourable to him. He is the best. Um, oh, and then this one I'm going to give, but it's actually Kenny's nomination of Bernadeschi for the Murata Challenge. We've had a look at it and we don't think it's a front runner, but thought it was worth a it's, mention.
3: It's a glorious miss, but it's uh, on the scale of uh, Jack Monumentua to, uh, to uh, Murata, it's not uh, It's not there yet.
1: And Boaz, you've got a double honorable to finish us off. The first one is uh,
3: unfortunately uh, dishonorable for. Um, manager in um, the prima categoria which is uh, one of the lower leagues in Italy but um, this uh, guy called Giovanni Alozzi kind of he got sent off loses his mind and goes and like gives a a complete sucker punch to the referee it's it's I mean obviously in this day and age it's all over the social media in his credit uh, he immediately uh, resigned and said that uh, because their club is uh Known for bringing through youth talent, he's no example, and that uh, that uh, the club is is doesn't deserve to have a manager like him. Having said that, like maybe he should have thought about that before he punched a, a young referee in the face. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he could be the future Gattuso. Remember, Gattuso slapped uh, somebody in the face and then resigned, and then look at him now.
1: <laughs> he's only unemployed still.
2: So. <laughs>
3: I, the, um, something that, uh, to keep this slightly more serious, something that has to be said is that, the, um, at least with, in the lower leagues, the, the disciplinary committee is very harsh. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had like a multi-year ban for this. But in any case, the, the club have come out against it. The, he has resigned and also said that he doesn't see himself in these images and that he blacked out, but, um, not the best scenes. And, uh, hopefully we won't see much more of that. But to bring it straight to a slightly happier matter, I, I want to give an honourable slash dishonourable mention to Patrice Evra, who um, is running the commentary for, in for Amazon for the Champions League in Italy. And uh, clearly, he's not quite sure about his new role. And first of all, as soon as he heard the Juventus anthem playing in the before the game, he tried to run onto the field while the players were warming up. So that was one video that's during the rounds, and it's quite funny. But then after the game, he, he kind of invades into Allegri's post match interview and starts bantering with him and giving him all the you played great, man, you did so well. And honestly, like, there a a certain degree of professionalism would be much would would be needed in this situation.
1: That's very good. So it's
3: I'll give you guys a choice of whether that's an honourable or dishonourable, but uh, Patrice is a lot of fun, but maybe not the best uh,
1: commentator. I'm against professionalism in most of its forms, so I think it's an honourable. Right, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, first of all, just, Elaine, thanks again for joining the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on, and hopefully you're still sober and uh, somewhat interested <laughs> in listening to our <laughs> podcast in the future.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast.
1: And as I said, you can find uh, Elaine at Milan Obsession on Twitter, milanobsession.com. Just search Milan Obsession on any podcast platform and you'll be able to find it. So yeah, we will be back uh with Kenny next week. If you don't already please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. Um, we'll speak to you then. Until then, enjoy the football.
2: Come